0: This is the Janine Bureau Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. It is a beautiful day here in New York City. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. But, you know, this weekend and today and especially tomorrow is a very special day. Um, the weekend is a great weekend. The, the day, obviously, that I'm talking about is uh, tomorrow, Monday, Memorial Day. You know, we, it's really important that we take a moment and think about the significance of, for some, uh, that is simply a day off from work. But for most of us, it is time for us to take a moment and honor those who have actually lost their lives defending our country we celebrate the commitment of members of America's military services, the, fa- the people who are willing to go outside of our borders to fight on behalf of all of us. And we have to be ever grateful for the fact that there are people that do this and a result as a result for the life that we live today. I want to take a moment to reflect on the men and women who gave it all for us. And the most important thing to remember is not to let politics in any way take away respect for the men and women of the military. Of course, Memorial Day is the day that we celebrate those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. But I don't limit it to that. I personally am grateful to everyone who is in the military, who is out there for us. And, you know, for various various times in our country, there have been people who have been very critical of, of those in the military. And I never understand it. I mean, they are willing to make the sacrifice. They leave our country to defend us, and they come back with fewer limbs. Uh, and we all know that when many return, they are suffering from PTSD, they suffer from depression, uh, and they end up uh, living uh, a less productive life uh, because of the trauma that has been imposed upon them. So I just want to say today, God bless those men and women who have given the ultimate sacrifice and let us be a little more respectful of those who have created and given us the America uh, where we are allowed to be free uh, because of them. But I have to be honest and truthful here for a moment. The America that I was born into was indisputably the greatest nation that has ever existed in the history of the world. It was the richest country in the world. It had the most powerful military in the world. It was the world's chief scientific innovator. And its people were the healthiest, the most educated, the most productive. Its cities were world-class hubs, not just for industry, but for art and culture, especially here in New York. American scientists and engineers put a man on the moon. It was a great country, but right now, folks, we are in danger of losing it. And if that happens, all of the sacrifice of the great men and women that we respect and remember today on Memorial Day and tomorrow uh, will be for naught. You know, the America of my childhood and the America so much of the world dreamed of throughout the 20th century is no more. Today, her unity has been compromised. Her wealth has been plundered. She has suffered assaults on her bedrock principles from freedom of speech and religion to capitalist market-based economics. And her world-class schools now spread indoctrination. And even the National Association of Education Progress reports that many high school seniors can't read or do math. And on top of it all, we are suffering now from a woke ideology where the mission is to make America last. Folks, I just read from my book, Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of Our Republic. The book is an analysis of where we are in America today, and I can think of no better weekend to talk about this. It was released this past Tuesday, and uh, in the book, I basically compare America to a crime scene. It's happened, and... I've identified the perpetrators, the crimes, whether it's the crimes against freedom of speech, the crimes against education, health care, the crimes committed by those at the top of our government who are not there for truth and justice in the American way, but are there for their own ideology and to take care of themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, this country is far too great to suffer at the hands of the left that wants to take down our republic. So if if you want to get the book and read about how I talk about where it happened, who's responsible and how we're going to solve this problem that we have, you can go to any bookstore now, you can go to Amazon or you can go to judgejbook.com. That's judgejbook.com where you can get a signed copy. The book is uh, an analysis of everything that is going on in this country, in our country, that right now everyone is in trouble. We're no longer a sovereign nation. We all know that. So. Uh, today, I'm going to be speaking with some great people. I'm going to be speaking with the uh, Fox News legal analyst, Greg Jarrett, who wrote a book on the uh, trial of the century, the Scopes Monkey Trial, which I was always fascinated with. Uh, Clarence Darrow was the attorney there. And for a few laughs and a lot of fun, I'm going to be joined by the very funny Jimmy Fela. Uh It's all coming up here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. And never forget that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating eleven dollars a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T the number two t.org.
0: This is the Judge Janine Show on 77 WABC. This. Is the Janine Pirro show? Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro.
1: Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is a political and legal analyst. He's an author, an attorney. Uh, his new book, Trial of the Century, is out in stores tomorrow and available online right now. Uh, please join me in welcoming Greg Jarrett to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Now, before I get to Greg, um, Greg... Uh, I'm sure you've seen him on Fox News. He is a legal analyst there. He is one of the brightest minds uh, over there for sure. Uh, And he wrote a book, uh, The Russian Hoax, which was a number one New York Times bestseller. And I was so excited when I found out from Greg that he wrote this new book, The Trial of the Century, because Greg has the ability to not only analyze the legal issues, but the ability to kind of uh, put everything in context so he can tell you the law, tell you what it means, but he can also tell you how it fits within a particular setting, within a particular uh, uh, society and culture. So, uh, Greg, welcome to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Tower show. How are you?
2: Hey, Janine. Great to with you. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right. Well, I, I you know, Greg, uh, that I was so excited when I heard that you were writing the trial of the century. Uh, and of course, nearly a century ago, this famed liberal attorney Clarence Darrow defended a school teacher, John Scopes, in a blockbuster legal proceeding that brought the attention of the entire country to a small town of Dayton, Tennessee. And his seminal defense of freedom of speech helped form the legal bedrock on which all of our many of our civil liberties depend today. Uh it is expertly researched Greg as you always do. It is eye-opening and it is stirring. So tell us about this book because Greg I am fascinated. I'm excited. You're talking about Clarence uh, Darrow, John Scopes, the monkey trial, education. It's all in the news now. You know, Clarence
2: Darrow has been my idol since yep. I was a teenager. And I read, I plucked a book off my father's shelf and read a biography uh, of him. And I was, I, I so admired him, that's the reason I became a lawyer. And at the end of that bio, there was a brief description in a chapter of his most famous trial. Uh, the Scopes Monkey Trial, which uh, the media dubbed it. It was an evolutionary misconception at the time. Um, but, you know, I always felt that this trial truly was the trial of the century and and deserved more attention. And the more I talked to people over the decades, the, the, you know, the more I realized they'd never heard of it. Uh wow. you know, history would write that this really was a clash between science and religion, evolution versus creationism. But you know, Janine, it was much more than that. Hanging in the balance was free speech in America. And I went to the courthouse in Dayton, Tennessee a couple of years ago. I gained access to the archives and there I found the original trial transcript.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, the trial of the century. My new book is based on that transcript, as well as the handwritten notes in longhand
1: of the stenographer, the
2: judge's court reporter. That's right. Detailing all of the drama that unfolded. So, you know, that was rich material.
1: Oh, I, OK. So what was the issue then? What was the what was the cause of action?
2: Well, back in the 1920s, after World War I, America turned inward, and this religious fervor swept the nation, and states began banning books, particularly books on evolution. And Tennessee was the first state to pass a law making it a crime to teach evolution, Darwin's cornerstone theory, uh, and Quite quickly, within a couple of weeks, a young schoolteacher by the name of John Scopes was arrested and charged and sent to jail under this new statute. And the great Clarence Darrow sitting in Chicago uh, was incensed. He was fuming and he volunteered to defend Scopes for free, particularly because... Darrow's nemesis, William Jennings Bryan, the great fundamentalist oh, three time Democratic presidential right. nominee, was the prosecutor in the case. So this was a titanic epic battle between two of America's most famous people at the time.
1: Well, uh, I forgot that it was Williams Je- William William Jennings Bryant on the other side. I mean, Clarence Darrow and William Jennings Bryant, I mean, my gosh, that was, it had to have been, you must have gotten chills, Greg Jarrett, uh, author of the new book, Everybody, uh, Trial of the Century, the, the scopes, uh, they called it the monkey trial, but you say it was more about the First Amendment.
2: Yeah, it really was. Think about it. You start banning books, you start telling teachers you can't teach science uh, because it might conflict with the Bible. You know, in this day and age, we, of course, look at that and go, well, that's a clear uh, First Amendment establishment clause violation. And I couldn't figure out why Darrow wasn't making that argument. And, and the answer came to me literally in the middle of the night. I woke up in a start. And I said, aha, I think I know, because I learned something back in law school more than 40 years ago of no practical yeah. value to me as a trial lawyer. And I padded into my office in the middle of the night and I looked it up. Yep. U.S. Supreme Court didn't make the establishment clause binding on the states until two decades after the trial. So. Yeah, I mean, it was an incredible moment in American history, and I sometimes shudder to think where America might be if the great Clarence Darrow hadn't dramatically shifted public opinion in America and the banning of books and the criminalizing of evolution immediately halted after the trial.
1: All right. Greg Jarrett, Jarrett, author of the great book, Trial of the Century. Um, So today... They are let, let's let's make this a little current that uh, they're they talking about uh, uh, the Republicans are banning books. And uh, it kind of harkens back to everything you were talking about in this trial of the century. But the banning of books, the allegation, I'm not sure is, has any merit, given that I think Republicans, especially in Florida, think, well, we don't want like seven year olds to see books that like an 18 year old can see. It's a totally different thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is. And look, I in the book, I bring it full circle to today. You know, political and religious and social beliefs that trend at any given moment should not be imposed by government dictate on students or teachers alike. Um, but also, as we see, for example, in Florida, Students should not be indoctrinated, uh, especially at a young age, uh, over you know certain social beliefs or political beliefs that you know teachers and particular schools are forcing down their throats. So you know, free speech uh, is still at issue in America. Censorship, reprisal, uh, this corrosive fear, you know, uh, free speech is a cornerstone value in America, and it can be easily eroded.
1: Talk about the, uh, were were Jennings Bryant and Clarence Darrow, I mean, were they, um, did, they were, did they have like a friendly relationship? I mean, you can see through the transcript, I mean, they were obviously at each other's throats when it came to the trial, but were they ever friends?
2: They were, and in fact, uh, Darrow supported William Jennings Bryan when he ran for president the first two times and lost. But when, when Bryan began to take his fundamentalist religious views and impose them by law on everybody else in America, that's when Darrow uh, broke from Bryan. And the climactic moment in the trial. Darrow is losing the case because the jury is stacked, the judge is against him, and he calls the prosecutor, William Jennings Bryan, to the witness stand, and Bryan couldn't resist. He wanted to show off. And and the judge moved it outdoors to a platform. Thousands of people looking on. I have photographs in the book. And Darrow absolutely eviscerated and destroyed Bryan, so much so that he died five days later, still in Dayton, Tennessee.
1: Had they resolved the case?
2: You know, uh, yes. And in fact, uh, you know, everybody thinks Darrow won. Darrow actually lost the case, but he won the war. He shifted popular opinion, and it spelled the beginning of the end for these you know, banning books and criminalizing teachers uh, for teaching evolution and so forth. So that's the great irony in it. Scopes was actually convicted. It was a rigged jury and a rigged judge. But Americans were watching. It was the first trial broadcast live on radio all across America. People stopped going to work. They wanted to listen in. And Darrow's arguments were so persuasive that America changed course.
1: Well, yeah, and that is, uh, it is a very, it's a very sensitive uh, balancing test that has to be made in this country. Greg Jarrett, we thank you very much. We thank you for your brilliance and for your sharing that uh, brilliance with us on a great, great uh, topic that has always fascinated me and I'm sure most Americans. You have a good day.
3: Thank
2: you, Jeannie, and you okay. too. Okay,
1: bye-bye. And never forget, Join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at t2t.org. That's T, the number two, t.org. Up next here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation, I will be speaking to a gentleman that you will get a charge out of. He is hysterical. He is smart. Uh, he is a radio host. He is a media personality. His name is Jimmy Fallon. He's coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network.
0: This is the Janine Piro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Piro.
1: Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is one of my favorite people, everybody, and I figured it was a holiday weekend and it's time for a few laughs. Uh, but he's really smart and he's really serious, too. But I like the fun side of him. Uh, he is, uh, as I said, he's a radio host. He's a media personality. He's a stand-up comedian. He's on Fox all the time. He's a contributor there, I believe. Uh, but in any event, we love him. Please join me in welcoming Jimmy Fallon to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Now, i got to tell you this. Jimmy is a stand-up comedian, but by favorite part of his resume or CV is that he was a cab driver in New York City from 2008 to 2010 and in 2014 Nightlife Awards he was voted Outstanding Male Comedian of the Year and his one hour comedy specials on Amazon uh, you know what you feel like you're always selling something anyway Jimmy (laughs) Fela New York City cab driver turned professional stand-up comic who has appeared over 500 times on various Fox shows in Including the five. All right. Oh. Jimmy, how do you feel this holiday weekend?
3: Oh, I feel flattered that you had the faith in me that to book me on a holiday weekend. <laughs> most shows, Most shows assume I'd be sleeping on a park bench by now with a face tattoo.
1: Yeah, so well, you, you,
3: you had. Do you have any tattoos? N uh no, Judge. Uh none that you can see on TV. Yeah, you
1: hesitated there, Jimmy. Admit it. You got to escalated tattoos.
3: quickly. Oh, <laughs> baby, I love it.
1: <laughs> okay. So, Jimmy, here we are. Um, and I'm gonna talk about all the shows at, at the end of this uh segment, but you really are you know, you're really hitting it in the comedy circuit. I mean, you've got the Gotham Comedy Live and uh you've done some great stuff. A-
3: I'll judge you. No, we're, we're doing well. I, I'm on the road a lot. Like, uh, I just got back in Clearwater, Florida, and uh, that, that sold out. Uh, I'm heading down to Davenport, Iowa, June 3rd, Mesa, Arizona, June 10th. Then we go to Lexington, Kentucky, June 24th. But as I was saying, when you and I hosted the Five together this past Wednesday – Uh, The shows sell sell out. Uh, Half of it's comedy. The other half is there's a lot of chubby chasers out there, Judge. What does that mean? A lot of ladies like the pudgy guys. They see me on TV. I look like the before model in a diet ad, and they're attracted to that.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe maybe it tells you something that you never knew, Jimmy, and that women are very interested in the mind of someone, not to mention that you're very good looking and you're not a chubby, you're not subject to chubby chasers.
3: Okay, by TV so standards, I, yeah. Judge, here's the thing, by TV standards, you, you know, I spend my day surrounded by guys who look like TV stars, Yeah, and I look like the guy who installed your TV. So yeah, that's my yeah. book. Yeah,
1: but that, and that's why you're on, not because you look like the guy who installed the TV, because you've got. You've got a sense of humor and a brain, and you're good-looking, so stop it. All right. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this week. You mentioned you were on The Five on uh, this past Wednesday. And at uh, Wednesday night, uh, right after The Five was over, it was this big announcement by uh, by our buddy down there, Ron DeSantis, and it's going to be on Twitter and the wealthiest guy in the world, Elon Musk, and everything's going to be great. What the hell happened? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, DeSantis's campaign slogan is make tech support great again. Apparently. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Listen, I mean, you know, it's he can overcome it, but we shouldn't mince words. It was a disaster. I mean, Aww. this is an announcement we waited a year to watch, yep. and it finally rolled out into an embarrassing glitch. And again, he made good points. He had a lot of good substance. But it was too cute by half, because the truth is, Judge, if you throw that on TV, millions of people watch, you get fans cheering, and it didn't sound like a boring radio interview. Like this, me and you are peppy radio people, Mm -hmm. so if you tune in, you laugh, there's excitement, but that, that Twitter spaces was just a bunch of journalism nerds asking questions to a guy who answered them in a monotone voice. Like yeah. That personality is not going to outshine Trump if that was the goal, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe the goal was something else. Maybe the goal was to say, hey, I'm kind of the middle-of-the-road alternative. And that's why you should be coming my way. But you know, yeah, I, that's I you know what, Jimmy,
1: I happen to agree with you. I, I I happen to think that they they didn't want to be Joe Biden and send out a video where they only have Joe Biden speaking and or walking for about two <laughs> seconds because they couldn't trust him to walk longer than two seconds without falling. But I mean, yeah, I mean, think about it, Jimmy. I mean, how many people you do you know who fall going up
3: as opposed to fall coming down? It, it's hard I mean, to do. <laughs> <laughs> and when but, you drink as much as my friends, you think i'd know more people but i don't yeah that's
1: that's a good point that's a very good point but uh hopefully you and your friends are having a good time but uh, having having said that i mean so here's now ron desantis okay he's the middle of the guy guy and then he goes on uh with trey gowdy and i and i thought that was a good interview but Mm -hmm. you know you look at the guy and you you know we're so used to these old white guys that um you say my god he looks like a kid you know
3: (laughs) he's young He does. He looks comparative to what we have because, you know, Trump is Trump is really spunky given his age. But, you know, he's a little older. And then, you know, Biden's in his late hundreds. I don't even know the, you know, I've I've seen younger faces on money. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, DeSantis does. He looks like he's there to give a valedictorian speech. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: so there's just something about him.
3: He's there to address the class of 2023.
1: (laughs) But, but, you know, so it's going to be interesting. And and, uh, let me talk, I'm going to talk about Tim Scott for a second. I love uh, Senator Tim Scott, obviously, uh, from South Carolina. And, I mean, I was so impressed with his story. Uh, You know, he is, you know, a descendant of slaves. And he's a United States senator running for president. And then you get the Whoopi Goldbergs. and the Sonny Hostins from The View, uh, by the way, their numbers don't compare to ours on the five. But oh, uh, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about them and they're just so spiteful and they're almost mad at him that, they, that he made it. You know, they're like, well, wait a minute. You're the exception. Well, what's wrong with someone who made it? Isn't that what yeah. we want everyone to do? Why are they so spiteful and hateful?
3: Oh, it's really a hard thing to watch, although I will give The View credit. They're the highest streaming show in Guantanamo Bay. Now that you're not allowed to waterboard the detainees, that's what they put on The View to get confessions out of them. They're like, you tell us what happened, and we'll play Joy Behar again. Yeah. This is the thing, and it speaks to just like what a condescending attitude the people on the left actually have towards black voters. Yeah. Tim Scott is actually not the exception in the sense that black people are achieving everything on earth any other race is achieving in the year 2023. They've yep. been president. Okay. Two of the five panelists on The View are making multi million dollars as black women. Okay. Yep. It's such a condescending attitude towards black America to keep portraying them as people who still haven't found their way in the world yet. I'm like, I know. what are we even talking about? But that's the problem is that he refutes their narrative of victimhood. So they really hate him. And it's my favorite thing about candidates like Tim Scott or even a pundit like Caitlyn Jenner is they expose the fraud of identity politics. These are not movements that are there to protect black people or trans people. They're there to protect. Democrats. If you are not a Democrat, you don't matter as a black person. You don't matter as a trans person, and that's the joke of the whole thing.
1: Well, and yet the amazing part of it also is the fact that uh, you know the, the the ideology is supposed to be on the left, we're all encompassing, and yet they are anything but encompassing. And yep. there is never a consequence. There is never an apology. There is never an admission, like the Russian hoax when the Durham yep. report came out, and. They said, hey, not only was that Russia collusion thing a hoax, but um, Hillary Clinton made it up and she told Barack Obama and Joe Biden that she was going to create this hoax to get everybody off her neck regarding her email scandal. I mean, the woman literally separated this country in half. I mean, right after Trump was elected, this Russia collusion hoax." that they all lied about. Barack Obama knew it was a lie. Joe Biden knew it was a yep. lie. And people were fighting with each other at the dinner table, you know, at at, at, at events. The, the people unfriended us, uh, uh, people yep. on the left. And you say to yourself, how could such an evil person do so much bad? And now the woman thinks she's coming back to run for president. You know, <laughs> I, for Joe, age is an issue there. Yep. No you- kidding, honey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, this, Hillary, it's true when it comes to politics, like Hillary is like a stray cat that we fed once and now she won't go away. She just keeps coming back to that door, Judge. We put out that bowl of milk one time and the cat won't stop showing up. But, but you know, when you talk about the goal of this woman, is it's not even that she, you know, cut the country in half, which she did. And not that it was only based on a lie, but that to this day, even after they've been outed as making the whole thing up, they're still lecturing us about protecting democracy. Yeah, I'm like, nobody has undermined democracy more than the people who block the Hunter Biden story and push the Russian collusion story. You yeah. know, it's, it's crazy. Just- it is the ultimate first amendment
1: destruction first amendment freedom of the press press we're not going to allow you to talk about the hunter biden laptop uh, uh scandal uh because it's russian disinformation which 51 intelligence officers agreed that they needed to give joe biden a point in the debate with donald trump so not only that but uh in addition to that we're going to make sure that uh you are compelled to say that uh, that, that uh, Donald Trump is a Russian uh, uh, puppet, a Putin asset. It's just outrageous, yep. the First Amendment. And then mm-hmm. nobody says anything. We find out it's true. I mean, I'm a prosecutor. That laptop is a treasure trove of evidence and information. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, la, 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 la. Okay, <laughs> on to the next story. What is happening? I mean, what happened to truth and justice?
3: Oh, you know, it's, it's I mean, just who unbelievable.
1: Do who do we blame? Yeah, well,
3: Well, who we blame, I mean, honestly, in this instance, really would be the left just because none of, uh, you know, none of these looks, if we were to look into the Hunter Biden laptop retroactively or we were to look into the real findings in the Durham report retroactively, none of these looks would reflect well on them. So the media just steamrolls right past them. And this is the point I try to make a lot. Okay, liberals listening think the media is on their side because they look out for liberal politicians. But the truth is the media is failing liberals just as much as conservatives because their job is to hold people in power accountable. And if they're just getting, you know, Democrats elected, regardless of whether they're corrupt or they're interfering in elections, as the Democrats did, that doesn't actually help a liberal taxpayer or citizen in the long run. But, you know, again, I don't know that helping U.S. citizens is anyone's priority in this administration.
1: Yeah, but you know what? It's so sad, Jimmy, and you and I, you know, we want to laugh about it, but the truth is that, you know, this whole thing with Black Lives Matter uh, and the organization and the money that they Mm. took and gave out a million this to the baby daddy, a million that to the the brother and this one and that one, and, you know, the the poor kids in the inner city uh, that Mm. were supposed to be the beneficiary of all the corporations who were giving money to uh, Black Lives Matter, the organization organization, they, they, they got short circuited. They got and and in the end it's like it only matters if there's a black death if there's a white person on the yep. other side so yep. that if a black kills a black that eh, you know we can't we're not going to deal care. with that we're not even going to talk about it i find that heartbreaking i really do oh. because as someone who fought for victims my whole career and tried to make criminals accountable irrespective of what they look like i just had a name i didn't care what they looked like um it is it is heartbreaking and it's not fair to
3: those kids Mm-mm. well that's the problem i think what we've learned in the aftermath of that push is, you know, black lives didn't matter. Black votes did. Okay, the black votes matter. They want black votes. So they're willing to call cops racist. They're willing to have every corporation in America, you know, shake them down for money. Yeah. But as we discussed on the five, none of that money got reinvested in the community. BLM stands for Buy Large Mansions. That's what (laughs) it stands for. Great for the real estate business in Brentwood, California. Bad for the black community everywhere else. And shame on these people. You know what else, Judge? Shame on the corporations who donated all this money and aren't even speaking up about where it went. And shame on all the politicians who piggybacked off of this for votes because no one's even speaking out about the grift.
1: You want to know what my take on that is, why the corporations that gave uh, millions – to the organization Black Lives Matter, and I want to separate the movement from the organization. I want to be really clear. You know, we support the movement. We do not support that organization. Is the reason that these corporations haven't asked for their money back is because those corporations have at their head the students who have been indoctrinated uh, to the ideology of the left and socialism and Marxism. Now, you you know, the truth, Jimmy Fallon, is that we never knew what was going on in the schools. We never knew what that was being taught. And but for COVID and but for the silver lining of COVID, we would never have known that they were teaching CRT, that they were teaching about transgender and that they were teaching all of this outrageous stuff. But for COVID, parents would never have gotten involved in their kids' education just to Assuming this is America, we're teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic. But in the yeah. end, it wasn't about any of that. It was about an ideology. And those are the heads of the corporations who are not demanding money back from the corrupt Black Lives Matter organization. i gotta, I got to add one more thing, Jimmy Fallon. Yep. That Patrice Cullors, I mean, she's the one who bought the $6 million mansion as having a peach cobbler and wine uh, on the Black Lives <laughs> Matter contributions. Yep. You know, she says, I am triggered by having to file form 990 it's triggering i can't deal with it you know are you kidding that's your that's your defense for not filing for the taxes you know every american is triggered on april 15th and probably the week before because they know what's coming but i'm triggered ergo i do not need to pay or fill out this 990 form it's, it's beneath me oh, god
0: well, but
3: that's That's how they got where they are by calling basic things like unjust or bigoted or racist. You know, as you said, we all have to pay taxes. So what's the (laughs) argument here? Asking A black person to pay taxes is racist. Of course, we know that's not true, but that's how they've got around doing things above board. So, again, yes, the movement's good. The organization is a scam. It was always a scam. And if you were calling it out, then you were, you know, what do you mean? Who the hell is this racist? But we always knew, okay, just based on the people at the top that they weren't doing anything above board. So I'm kind of laughing that this went down. Uh, but at the same time, yes. I don't know how this affects the mansion resales in Brentwood. So got to
1: <laughs> All right. Well, here in New York City, we're only worried about our cases. And I just want to mention Danny Penny, obviously yeah. the Marine, who decided to... Take and fill up that vacuum when the police weren't around and then moving subway car that was locked underground with a a, a schizophrenic in the midst of a psychotic episode saying, I'm ready to die or go to prison for life. And you know, the progressive DA says, okay, we're going to charge him with manslaughter. And that is a result of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yep. That is a result of the defunding of police. We mm-hmm. can't have these police, the denigrating of police, police being told to stand down. And then we end up with everyone on the car, or many on the car, I should say, yep. so that Danny Penny was a hero. And now the progressive DA with the Soros money is like, mm-hmm. we got to indict this guy. We got to send him to jail. Final thoughts yep. on him.
3: Yep. Well, I, listen. The sad reality is nobody who rides the subway every day, okay, would want Daniel Penny prosecuted because they've all wished for a Daniel Penny at one point in their life. So the truth is Daniel Penny, the idea that they're trying to frame this as racist, they're disregarding the fact that the man who helped him was black. okay, Daniel Penny is, in theory, a hero, should not be prosecuted on any level, mm-hmm. but they're going in this direction because they don't care about the people. And what I mean by that, is if you go and prosecute a vigilante in this case, as he's being labeled, yeah. okay, you take the attention off the bigger problem. Like right now as you and I speak, okay, there are thousands of Jordan Neelys riding the subway this morning.
1: Everyone, that's Jimmy Fallon, I want to thank you for joining us on this holiday weekend. Jimmy, you are the best, and everyone, look him up. He's hysterical. Go to one of his shows. God bless,
0: Jimmy. Judge. See you soon, girlfriend. Take okay,
1: care. bye-bye.
0: Judge Janine on 77 WABC. This is the Janine Bureau Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau.
1: Okay, now it's time for me to gavel out with my closing argument. I started the show today talking about Memorial Day, the significance of those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, uh, and hopefully people will remember that this is more than the beginning of the summer season or the chance to wear white. Uh, and to go to barbecues, it's about respecting the men and women in the military. Memorial Day is specifically about those who have given their lives, but I, I see it as an opportunity to respect our military. And as we go forward, I think it's incredibly important that uh, especially now as we see more and more candidates coming out in the Republican field, running for president, that we make sure that everyone that we cast our vote for, and that is, a, that is a, a right that all of us have to exercise, that all of us recognize that the candidates that we're looking to support are people who support the military. We can't cut back on the budget. We can't forget about them after they come home. Uh, but I have to tell you, there's one man, one man who has done enormous things for the men and women in the military. And I think you know who I mean. That is Frank Silla, Tunnel to Towers Foundation. I have never seen emotion like I've seen when Frank Silla walks up to a widow and says, we got you. We got your mortgage. It's covered. And the the emotion I get emotional when I see it. Uh, there are great Americans in this country. So many good people. I refuse to buy into the left's woke ideology of hate and taking down America. We are a great nation. We are a generous people. We are a caring people. And all of that is evidenced by the success that Frank Siller has had in the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. He's even building a a a, a village. Uh, for people who have suffered uh, in terms of um you know attacks and 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 injuries in the military so make sure that uh, you take a look at that tunnel to towers foundation you know you hear me say it all along tunnel to towers you know t2t.org this is an organization where i think like more than 96% of the money goes directly to the uh, families of those who have been uh, injured and uh, those who have lost a loved one so Anyway, uh, it's time to support America, get her back on her feet, and get rid of this woke ideology nonsense that wants to take our republic down. And don't forget, get Crimes Against America, my new book. You can get it on Amazon or judgejbook.com uh, or in any bookstore. So I can't believe we're out of time. Make sure you join us right back here next week. Same time, same place with the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.
0: Judge Janine on seventy seven WABC.